the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good morning, Central Arkansas. This is State Senator Ben Gilmore coming to you from the uh, Dave Ellswick Studios. It's an honor to be with you this morning. I thank Dave for giving me the opportunity to sit behind this microphone, legendary microphone, I might add. Uh, I'm glad Dave's getting a little vacation time, but certainly, again, an honor to be here. So good morning to you as you're either driving in or getting ready for work. Um, It's a little early uh, still for us here in the studio, but uh, glad to have with me State Senator Charles Beckham, State Representative Howard Beatty. Guys, good morning. Glad you're with us. Good morning. I appreciate the invite. This is State Senator Charles Beckham. Uh, Appreciate the time to get on the show. Absolutely. Uh, Good morning, guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, too, Representative Howard Beatty. Well, guys, I'm excited. Uh, you know, got a great lineup today. Got a few folks calling in. Uh, one of the first people we're going to have calling in is uh, Secretary of State John Thurston. He'll be calling in about the uh, 6.30 um, mark. So look forward to hearing from him. A few others, we'll we'll get to those as we get closer to when they're calling in. But we got a little bit of time just for us this morning in the studio. I wanted to talk about a, a few things, and you can never go wrong to start off a morning talking about what Democrats are doing in D.C. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Senator. Uh, we, uh, I don't know if you caught the news, but the Biden administration's taking over the uh, distribution of the antibodies. Oh. What do you think about that? Uh, well, if Biden handles it anything like we saw vaccine rollout after Trump uh, was out of office, then it's probably not going to be good. Guys, I tell you, I... I try to control my language and everything till at least 10 o'clock and a couple of cups of coffee. And starting off talking about Democrats and the Biden administration makes it difficult on me this morning. Why don't you morning. go ahead and have another sip of that coffee? I, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> it's probably going to be a couple of cups this morning. Well, that's and look, I, you know, you bring up a great point, but that's not the only thing they're doing, right? I mean, you saw yesterday, maybe y'all did, what uh, AOC and the squad is doing with Iron Dome funding, cutting that out. Now, Democrats, to be fair, are trying to save face, and they're trying to come back in and and uh, with a billion-dollar uh, spending bill to address that. But nevertheless, I mean, I think it goes to the point that uh, we know Democrats don't like Israel. Yeah, I mean, you can you can look at that um, the amendments made to that bill and see the the ten percent overall cut to the military budget. They're wanting uh, no forces, no military forces in Syria for a year without or after a year without congressional approval. You know, it's it's um, it's opening the Middle East up to what we've seen for decades. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and a total disregard for Israel. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, and again, not surprising. We we've known this about them. I mean, they're just showing who they're what their true colors are. Um, but you know, going back to that bill, we're talking about the for everyone listening the three point five trillion dollar spending bill. Um, and of course, now everybody's panicking up there because we're just what is it a few weeks out from the uh, reaching the debt limit yet again. Um, and so, you know, total disregard for spending or the you know how much we're spending um i mean it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous 3.5 trillion dollars and we could i mean we could spend hours going through what's all in that bill of course we had uh and i say we our good friend ken yang had uh, our congressman on yesterday uh french hill i know and congressman uh, bruce westerman was on talking about that bill and other, of course other issues border security being one of those uh talk about just a total uh you know mishandling of of something that's the border crisis yeah, lack of border security lack of border security that's a good point total uh, disregard yeah i mean it's you, you look at how many are just flooding across the border right now sitting under the bridge waiting was it like was it i, I think i saw that story was thirteen thousand right now sitting under the bridge del rio yeah look i mean uh you know we have counties in the state and we have counties in our districts that are lower population than just the people sitting under a bridge yeah yeah absolutely well and and again i mean we don't even need to start about the uh, afghanistan crisis and how we pulled out left countless equipment humvees helicopters they got a sip of coffee there representative Beatty. well i I think more egregious than that is the people well obviously the people yeah yeah even even u.s citizens we walked away from i mean we're i mean Name something that uh, the Biden administration has not affected that we all hold hold dear and and try to destroy and manipulate. I yeah. mean, name name one thing that we hold dear that they haven't tried to destroy. Well, and I think you bring up a point. I think you could argue that a lot of what they're doing is very intentional. Um, but the other side of that too is, I mean, just look at the unintended consequences of the Biden's decision. Hey, I mean, wetlands mitigation. Another big deal that's going to have an impact throughout the country on job creation and economic development. Yeah. And, um, I mean, horrible policy. Yeah, the overreach with the um, vaccine mandates from the Biden administration. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. It's overstepping the individual freedoms, the business freedoms. And, yeah. and now the punitive attack back on Florida uh, yeah. and being vindictive and, and, and having punitive measures back against the state. I mean, basically, just because they don't agree with you. Yeah. Well, and speaking to the vaccine mandate thing, what he rolled out, I mean, just totally egregious. And, and you know, look, there's three of us here in the Arkansas legislature, right? I, I think we can, I think I can say for both of y'all, we're going to work to address that in the upcoming uh, session starting next week. Uh, we have to. We have to. Because what what we saw with what Biden did uh, and what we were moving towards anyway uh, was is is just an overstep of uh, and disregard for personal liberty. Well, and and also it's it's not a position that the executive branch should take and mandate uh, the fix and and to address this problem with the authority given by the people should come from the legislative branch of government. It's an but overreach on the executive side. Even even if you back up and you look at it from the from what we did here in Arkansas, and I, I know we passed a bill back in back during session for the uh, the mask mandates to prohibit those. And uh, even after that was stayed, 
this decision was still pushed back to the locals, to the local local control, local school boards. Uh, even in, in Arkansas, the state legislature didn't come in, the governor didn't come in and make a mandate for the whole state because one size does not fit all when you're talking about the entire United States. That's right. So uh, executive orders are, are very troubling when it comes to this type of stuff. Well, and, and again, going back to the personal liberty side, I mean, Representative Beatty, you and I penned an op-ed that went through both of our districts, went to every newspaper in both of our districts, talking about personal liberty. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that I've said throughout this whole issue is the foundation of the Constitution, both state and federal, is personal liberty. Um, and so, you know, it, we but we all, all three of us took an oath to uphold the Constitution uh, we we have to, in doing so, uphold personal liberty. Well, that's, to me, that's the most important, is that that decision's back in the hands of the individual. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and, and again, I think you, you bring up a good point with the, the mask mandate. Even, even when that was overturned, it went back to district level, individual districts making that. It wasn't... Uh, you know, it's still still big government involved, but it wasn't a massive one size fits all. Well, e- even those districts that made the decision to mandate, they they've later many of them gone back and reversed that position and, and changed their stance. Uh, and I think that even further backs up um, what we looked at um, on, on a compromise and some other things that you know circumstances change, and and that mandate would would have. Uh, adversely affect uh, some of the individuals in some of the individual school districts. Right. Well, going back to what's going on, so that, glad we had a little sidebar. It was good to talk about some state things, and we'll keep doing that throughout the show. Um, I don't. Did y'all see the latest approval ratings for the president? Oh, they're dismal. Dismal for a first year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree, and I think the average we right like forty. Forty. Five percent, forty. The average is like forty six. So yeah. my yeah. my personal is zero. I personally is zero. I, That's rock fair. Bottom. That's rock fair. Bottom. That's fair. I mean, considering considering the the you know the things we've already mentioned, right? I mean, uh, and not to mention you know it, what we're going to see on a tax front coming out of DC. I mean, they got to pay for this three point five trillion somehow. And the trillions they've already spent. And the trillions yeah. they've yeah. already spent. We don't just need to focus on the three point five trillion. That's right. So, a um, little bit of a segue. Uh, at least I'm going to make one. How about that? Uh, going into redistricting, uh, we've got Secretary of State John Thurston coming in. Probably going to talk about a little bit of you know what he's doing as far as the Board of Enforcement. But the three of us and our colleagues in the legislature handle the congressional redistricting. You know, one of the things that we're already hearing in Arkansas from the left is, oh, no, they're going to gerrymander. Have you looked at my district? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it looks like uh, we're going to take a quick break and come right back, guys. Hold that thought. And we're back. Good morning again. This is State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. In with in studio with me is State Senator Charles Beckham and Representative Howard Beatty. Guys, we've been all over the place this morning. We've talked about national politics, what's going on in D.C., uh, how things are working or not working, uh, how much money Democrats are trying to spend, uh, their disregard of Israel. We're all over the place. We've we've talked about vaccine mandate. Um, we left it before the last break talking about redistricting. So, 
you know, we as uh, members of the legislature, along with our colleagues, um, decide what the congressional maps look like. First time in the last, what, 140 years that Republicans are drawing the map, uh, we're already starting to hear Democrats say things like, oh, no, they're going to gerrymander, you know, they're going to destroy this, uh, it, you know, using talking about what's happened in the past, talking about maps they've drawn. That's how crazy this has gotten. Uh, it's all over Twitter, Facebook, um, them just likening to what's happened 10 years ago, which for all of our listeners, let's remind people that Republicans didn't draw maps 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Again, this is the first time we've had a chance to do it. What are your thoughts, guys? Well, you know, one thing that, that they need to know is that um, uh, Republicans uh, – we don't learn a whole lot from Democrats and 140 years of, of actually employment of the word gerrymandering and how they've manipulated and drawn districts uh, is not what we're going to do. They also need to understand that in the state of Arkansas, we took the majority of both houses with districts that they have drawn. Um, so I don't know what the fear or the concerns are there. Uh, I think it's just to stir controversy and, and some talking points because they're not making those decisions for the first time in history. Yeah, anyone looking at state senator, state representative maps will see the definition of gerrymandering as they sit today. Uh, one thing, Speaking of, describe your, your, your district, for instance. Uh, all are part of six counties. Uh, you know, one county, Grant County, I split with two other senators. Uh, for me, in conversations I've had just in passing with with different um, different stakeholders, with the Attorney General's office, Governor's office, uh, the Secretary of State's office, is most important is fair representation for the, the constituents, for the people. Uh, for example, if, if you live in Grant County, it could be Senator Beckham, could be Senator Garner, or it could be Senator Clark. And you could move one block over and have a different state senator or different and we we need to keep the county lines or the city boundaries as close to pos- as as close as we can to one representative and uh that that's one thing i've i've said over and over again uh the city of camden we uh, i split that with senator garner i mean it is it is crazy how the lines are drawn yeah yeah. Well, and, and again, to remind people, your district, my district, yours, Representative Beatty, was all drawn. That was when B.B. was governor, um, and he was intentionally, he and the rest of the Board of Apportionment were intentionally drawing maps to favor Democrats. That's just, just the way it happened. Uh, and, and so, you know, one thing that I've heard from our our current Board of Apportionment, the members of it, which is, again, for everyone's uh knowledge is the governor the secretary of state and the attorney general is how can we keep communities of interest together keep counties whole um and and that's one of the things that we're going to try to do i believe as a legislature when drawing the congressional maps it makes sense to keep counties whole when and where possible um and if you look at uh the last maps that were drawn how many counties were were partitioned up i mean just i mean Look at the 4th District, for instance. I used to work for Congressman Bruce Westerman. I know it well. Goes one county away from Missouri, 
all the way down to the Louisiana border, uh, borders Texas, Oklahoma, then all the way, almost all the way over to the Mississippi River, one county away there. One county away there, too. Yeah, and then R- Congressman Rick Crawford's, the first district, goes all the way to Louisiana, up the Mississippi uh, River to Missouri. Well, and it goes back to what I was saying. Um, we We would probably be comfortable with the districts the way they're drawn now and do nothing. Yeah. If it was not for the requirement with the population and the census and the change in numbers. Well, I, 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 yeah, and to your point, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be a few tweaks here and there because, you, you know, population has shifted have some. Um, but at the same time, I have confidence in saying I don't think we're going to get crazy or we're not going to try to. We're, we're, we're going to be different from the last 140 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I look, I think it's going to be an interesting debate. Um, and for all the listeners out there, we go back into session next week, 29th, I believe. Uh, is that a Wednesday? I think it's yeah, Wednesday. It's, uh, next Wednesday. Next That's week. one thing. One thing that uh, would be helpful for, for us to touch on is the expectation of that that session, the following special session, if called, which should be called for tax cuts and then subsequent bills we may look at. Yeah, no, and I, we and, should look at, and I agree, and we'll probably be talking about this more as we progress um, in the next. Well, we're on till eight, so for all you people listening, I'm sorry that you have to listen to us for two hours. So I hope you're driving that long, but uh, no, we're we're going to talk about it a little little bit later in the segment uh, coming up about you know what we expect to happen in the session: tax cuts, vaccine mandate, critical race theory. These are all things that uh, we need to address. Uh, things that you know, uh, I think that we're going to make some some tremendous ground forward on. Yeah, the 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 what I was alluding to is that the the first callback is to handle redistricting. Mm-hmm. That is the the callback from our extended recess of the ninety third regular session. Yeah, and then after that, we'll have a second extraordinary session for tax cuts. Right, and we're expecting the governor to call that for tax cuts. Right, right, and then. Um, we can choose to extend that to take up legislation that we want to see, the CRT, the things such as that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, timing of all that, it, it's it's helpful for people to understand that we will adjourn the 93rd regular session and call, come back. It, it's procedural. So when you see a uh, news or a tweet or a news article saying that we adjourned, don't think we walked away. Don't think we went home without taking up the issues yeah there's procedural things at play there uh procedural votes that are going to happen that uh, well it's kind of like the old you know everybody talks about when we oftentimes in sessions we come back in at midnight to address on the last day to address business it's not because we're trying to be secretive and meet at midnight heck it's live streamed right uh but there's procedural reasons why we do that because of the way the flow bill the bills flow through both chambers and the parameters that are set up to protect, um, you know, people and, and to, so they can so that we can't abuse our power. Well, and again, let's go back to the reason why this is drug out as long as it has. Again, it, you know, elections have consequences and uh, the census information taking this long to come out of the Biden administration with really, I mean, I don't know, maybe they have a problem with counting. I, I don't understand what took so long to get that tweet to the point that we're just now getting that information back? And then we're back to Biden. <laughs> and we're, we're right back to, you know, elections have consequences. Uh, speaking of which, did y'all see the 
election results for the local tax in Little Rock. Oh, that was a glorious thing. I, the elephants for infrastructure bill, I think, was what they, <laughs> they had, right? Hey. Failed miserably. Yeah, I mean, kudos and, and congratulations to the voters of Little Rock. Absolutely. I think you made a good point, and and if you're sitting in that mayor seat, uh, listen to the people, uh, and hopefully maybe there'll be a new person sitting in that seat with Landers in, in the future. And guys, we've got a hard break coming in right after this is Secretary of State John Thurston. Be right back. And we're back. Good morning again. State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave Ellswick behind the legendary Dave Ellswick microphone. Honored to be here again in, in studio with me, Senator Charles Beckham, State Representative Howard Beatty. And I believe we've got Secretary of State John Thurston waiting on the line. So uh, get him in on here and let's uh, spend a few minutes chatting with him. I will say this. You know, you got friends in the studio with you. When during the break, they look at you and say, man, you're good at this. You have a face for radio. So appreciate it, guys. Uh, Secretary of State Thurston, are you with us? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Look, we didn't really have anything on the agenda too much to talk about, except, you know, you are on the uh, board of apportionment, so you are drawing lines. But you also oversee our elections in the state of Arkansas. And so kind of wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, obviously we've heard a lot of talk about uh the the last election um what happened in other states thankfully did not happen here in arkansas and i think a credit to you and the hard work of your team um but just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on the election you know there's there's been talk about doing audits uh in other states there's folks that have mentioned that doing that here in arkansas just kind of give us your thoughts what are you thinking sure you know uh, thanks for having me, and I guess you let me call in, so maybe I have a face for uh, call-ins, maybe. Well, I didn't but, say that. Uh, well, I, I didn't say that either, Secretary. <laughs> well, uh, but, you know, things did go pretty well here in Arkansas. Uh, we had a few uh, issues in a um, couple of counties, but the county clerks, election commissioners, the poll workers, everyone did a great job. Um, and, you know, when it comes to elections, uh I want it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. And I want it to be uh, harder to cheat than it is easy to vote. You know, convenience should not be our priority uh, when it comes to elections. Accuracy uh, is what our goal should be. I'll give that a hearty amen. Right, right. I mean, you know, so, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a big push across the nation to make it easy to vote, but not really looking at the, the accuracy um, too close. So, but things did go pretty well. And you talk about the audits, and I'm not opposed to any audit that any uh, that the legislators want to do or anything of that nature uh, to provide more uh, transparency. I'm all for it. Obviously, it costs money. And but here in Arkansas, uh, the General Assembly passed a law. I believe it was two sessions ago, not this last one, but the one before, uh, to where here in Arkansas we have a post-election audit. And we did the first one in November, and it's basically like a drug test. It's a random. Uh, we pick precincts randomly, and the state board of elections um, uh, are the ones who uh, perform uh, that audit. And the precincts that we chose, we ran all of the ballots again through the equipment, through the tabulator, to make sure the votes, uh, every vote was counted and the count was accurate, and, and they were. Every precinct that was chosen, uh, everything uh, operated uh, accurately. 
And I do want to uh, just kind of encourage the folks about our equipment. You know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about the election equipment being uh, hacked and so forth. Um, being able to program them uh, in a way that it uh, doesn't count every vote or it gives some to another. The the equipment that we use, the, the vendor is ES&S, Election Systems and Software. Uh, we do not have Dominion here in Arkansas, and I know with Dominion there's a lot of issues around that particular uh, vendor. Uh, Dominion's not certified in Arkansas, so they, they're not going to uh, have their equipment here. But the equipment that we use, the, the machines and the tabulator, the, th- the machine that counts the votes, never goes online. It never goes on a system. Each one is a standalone uh, piece of equipment. Even, you know, the machines that you go up to to actually vote uh, on, they're not connected to the, the machine next to it. They're plugged into the wall, and that is it. And 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 then also, I don't know how much time we have. I don't want to ramble too long. Just no, you got off. time. Go ahead. This is this is good stuff. But you know, and there's also a lot of talk. I hear folks. You know, why don't we go back to paper? I'm tired of these machines. I'm tired of uh, you know they're, they're fearful of technology, and I get it. But we are we, we do have a paper ballot system. The only difference is it's marked electronically. The machine prints out a hard copy for you. You're not penciling in where you want your vote to go. You're, it's marking it electronically when you hit the screen. And then that um, paper hard copy goes to the tabulator. And so it's really easy to do recounts. All of those hard copies are, are not destroyed or you know are thrown in the trash or shredded. Uh, so that it's very easy to do a recount uh, if, if the need be. So there's some other things that we've done in the area of cybersecurity, but I want to stop and see if uh, you guys have any questions or want to go another direction. Well, look, that's all good stuff and important things for uh, listeners to hear and understand. And, again, we appreciate – I appreciate the fact that you are – being very mindful to the securities and, and, and integrity of the election. I mean, you have a very important job. Um, and again, I think Arkansas stands out as a state that didn't have the issues that we've heard about for months after the election, during the election. Um, and so we appreciate that. Well, yeah, so, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of calls, a lot of emails we receive. Um, every one of us receives asking for a forensic audit of the uh the 2020 election uh secretary uh, what what would be the ballpark cost of a full forensic audit of every precinct in the uh state oh my i, I do not know i, I couldn't uh be a lot know, i would are say they, are they talking yeah are they talking about just a recount or are they talking about really Similar to what we saw in Arizona is what they're wanting. Uh, you know, one, one of the one of the big concerns that I have, and uh, you know, something that's came out of that Arizona audit is once they went into the machines to verify, those machines are scrapped. They're going to the recycle bin, and and we start back again at, at step one: uh, new machines coming in from a vendor. We have to verify that they operate correctly and ensure that there's no uh, no malware, nothing changing the counts in those machines and look look before the uh before the 2020 election at uh my local courthouse i went down and verified the operation of the machines with the uh, dsns 
Well, and I think the other thing, too, to point out, I mean, even in my, as a newly elected state senator, even in my race, there's always things, I mean, there were some absentee ballots that, and I will applaud one of my uh, election um, uh, board of uh, elections in, in a county, did the right thing, handled the discrepancy, took care of the issue as the process is supposed to, to go. Uh, but even, I mean, you can you can pass every law you want to. People are still going to try to find a way to circumvent and, and you know, to, to mess up with the system or well, mess with the system. As, as a former chairman of the election commission uh, in Ashley County uh, prior to uh, serving in this position, uh, one thing I'll say is exactly what, what you talked about, the coordination from the Secretary of State and and the guidance and training from the elections division uh, to the county level is excellent. The um, the equipment and and the procedures that we have were good procedures. But I'll I'll go back and, and and address something that I've said before. Elections have consequences, and when it comes to the um, the faith that you have in your in your election process, uh, it also affects those local races and the decisions you make. Who's going to sit in that? Um, uh, clerk's office and at the county level and in in the um, uh, the judge level on the county uh, quorum courts uh, those positions have a big impact on our election process in Arkansas and the counties where those individuals all work together and uh, and and wanted to fulfill their responsibilities and duties to the process didn't have problems. Uh, so you need to consider that on your local elections, that local elections can have huge consequences on both statewide and national elections and the turnout. So no question. that's very important. Great, great point. Uh, and I believe that um, Secretary Thurston, correct me if I'm wrong here, being that you're up for re-election this coming year, you probably want uh, election integrity as much as anyone out there, Correct. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you, know, here, you know, I get a lot of que- uh, this question out there uh, across the state. What, you know, what can we do? And I tell folks, you know, that ha- what can we do that, you know, what happened in Arizona and Pennsylvania and those types of places that it, that it won't ha- happen here? Do we need to change laws? Do we need to do this? And I tell them we need folks to get involved. I mean, there's a lot that goes into an election at the local level. And, in fact, the county clerks and the election commissioners, they're the ones that really carry out elections. Yeah. And so I said that we need, we need poll workers. We need poll watchers. I mean, get involved in your, uh, your local uh, party. Some folks, they may not understand that the election commissioners in each county, there's three of them, and the majority party in the state, which the Republicans are in Arkansas, and to be the majority party in Arkansas, you have to hold the majority of the seven constitutional offices, which means you have to hold four of the seven. Well, here in Arkansas, we have, Republicans have all seven, so we're the majority. And the Republicans get to appoint two election commissioners uh, to the county board, and the Democrats get one. And I was telling some folks uh, in the first district just this past weekend that, in my opinion, those positions, the, those three election commissioners, could very well be the most important positions mm-hmm. in our state. And so, uh, and of course, there's there's poll workers as well. And and uh, but yeah, you're right. Get involved. I mean, 
elections really take place at the local level, at the county level. Yeah. Look, thank you for being with us. If you would, I'd, I'd like for you to hold. We're going to go to a quick break, and then if you would, just finish out the uh, the rest of the first hour with us. So we'll come right back to you because we got a couple other things we, we want to talk about. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. Again, this is State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave Ellswick. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, again, State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. Uh, in studio with me, State Senator Charles Beckham, State Representative Howard Beatty, and on the line is Secretary of State John Thurston. So, John, before we went to break, we were talking about election integrity. We are talking about the last election. Uh, we are talking about auditing, things of that nature. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. Well, I, I think maybe I think maybe we did want to, to, before we shift gears to redistricting, I think we did want to point out, uh, talking about elections have consequences. One county in particular had some issues in Arkansas in the last election, and that was Pulaski County. No surprise there. Most of, well, all of the elected officials in uh, at senior levels in, in the county are Democrats. Uh, we saw some issues with the county judge. Um, again, no surprise Kind of what are you, what are your thoughts? What are some of the things that you saw? Of course, we passed some bills um, in the in the session to address some of those issues. Sure, and I hate to be such a simpleton, but it, I always bring it back to, like you said, elections have consequences. We elect those in those positions to run, whether it be a county judge seat or uh, the uh, county clerk, but also poll workers. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how many poll workers Pulaski has, uh, but there there actually is a lot of eyes in that uh, particular county. It's the largest county uh, in the state, and so um, when things happen, especially in a, in a large county, I mean, someone should catch those things. And I, and again, I'm not insinuating that there was fraud because I don't know. When we we had a hearing at the state board. Uh, the state board put sanctions on uh, the county clerk and even the election commissioners, even on our own fellow Republican uh, election commissioners. When that, when those issues, when there were some votes that, um, when folks voted in the wrong precinct, and so um, because you know we feel like at the state board, you know the buck stops there, you know at the county clerk and um, election commissioners, but. And that's a long story. We could be here for a while talking about that particular hearing. Right. However, uh, I just keep taking it back to we need good folks running for office, and we need folks to, uh, you know, work as poll workers or even poll watchers. Well, it, it goes back to what I said. It has to be a team effort, and the folks at the county level and the election commission, they have to they have to follow the processes that have been established and work together. For the for the true outcome and the will of the people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, John, you mentioned the uh, <clears throat> the election commissioners earlier. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that they are they're the ones that are actually charged with drawing quorum court lines, and, and I think that's where we're after yeah. redistricting. So shifting gears, let's let's talk redistricting. You you are on the board of apportionment with the governor and the and the attorney general. So. You know, just kind of a top-level view of, of what you and your office is looking at. Uh, again, for the listeners, this is the first time that uh, a Republican Secretary of State, well, I guess Mark Martin was involved, but this is the first time that a Republican right. Board of Apportionment will be drawing these lines. That's right. Every 10 years, you know, we have the census in the following year. Uh, each state 
is drawing their re- redrawing their um, precincts or, or their districts, state level, federal, and even down to the JP and the election commissioners. Um, like Senator said, they will be drawing uh, the JP Justice of the Peace districts in each county. School boards draw the school districts. Municipalities will draw the uh, the city uh, boundaries. Uh, it's the Board of Apportionment, which is made up of myself, the governor, and attorney general, uh, we will be drawing the state uh, senate and representative districts. And then the General Assembly, uh, you folks will be drawing the congressional districts. And I'll just tell you, give you an update on where we are um, so the three members of the board, I have not personally seen the governor's maps or the AG's maps. Uh, everyone is now, you know, of course, we received the numbers late. We received them uh, last, well, let's see, when did we get last month? Well, and I think it's important to mention that, of course, going back to elections have consequences. The Biden administration sat on those numbers longer than any other administration, I guess, in probably recent history that we know of. They took forever getting those numbers to the states, which, you know, threw the whole the whole timeline off. Am I am I wrong on that? Absolutely. We are so far behind. In fact, months ago, 10 years ago. Uh, I think it was probably probably by May, the, this entire process was complete. And we just received the numbers um, last month. And here's the problem with this. The county clerks are, the, are going to have to update all of their voter uh, registration. Once all the, the maps are drawn and the, the, the districts, the county clerks are going to have to update to make sure everybody gets the correct ballot. So all of the, the workload is really going to fall on the county clerks, and all of this has to be complete uh, by filing period, which is at the end of February. And so, um, but I think we're going to make it. Uh, we believe the Board of Apportionment, we will be complete. It will not go into November. We will be done uh, next month. And so, um, but yeah, so yeah, elections have consequences, that's for sure. Well, and the other thing, too, is I. I think we need to give kudos to um, uh, Chief Justice Betty Dickey and, and, and her role in this process and, and assisting with the Board of Apportionment uh, and, and adding adding that extra, um, uh, I guess, uh, what's the right word I'm, I'm trying to, to say there, Ad, adding just that little extra touch. To the, uh, well, her knowledge and expertise that she brings of the law, and 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 again the impartiality that she brings, and and and, and not only that, that insight, that insight, but not only that, your your staff and and all of the staff at the different offices and the, the incredible work that they're doing. I know they're they're working long hours, they're and they're scrambling trying to get this done so that we can, you know, you you just threw that out there. We're going to be done with this next month, basically. So. We appreciate that. We appreciate the work that you're doing. It is no small task, um, and so you have a lot on your your shoulders. But one of the things we were talking about, and we've got a hard break coming up, but one of the things we were talking about earlier uh, with redistricting, because we've touched on this quite a bit through this this first hour, um, that you know this is the first time Republicans are drawing the lines, and we're pointing out Senator Charles Beckham's district and the districts that have been drawn, and how how some of these districts were drawn, obviously, to benefit uh, Democrats that were running. Uh, and now those districts, I'm one of those uh, individuals. Howard Beatty is one of those. Senator Charles Beckham is one of those. How those districts are now being held by Republicans. So, you know, again, 
10 years a lot can happen a lot can change uh i just appreciate the the insight that you're bringing the uh you know the way you're handling it and uh i appreciate you coming on with us this morning uh always good to chat with you and uh as we i hear the music so i know we got a, a break coming up thank you sir for for joining us this morning all right thank you gentlemen thank you john thank you secretary Again, this is State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. We will be uh, right back after this break. Dave Ellswick show, State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. Hoping Dave is enjoying his vacation um, and having a, a little time to rest and recuperate. But it is good to be back behind the legendary Dave Ellswick microphone in studio with me is Senator Charles Beckham and State Representative Howard Beatty. Guys, uh, it's great to have you uh, in with this morning. Uh, not so great having to look at you for two hours across the table, but. That being said, we've had a we've had a great show thus far. We've had Secretary of State John Thurston uh, on with us, and uh, okay, now you're threatening to leave. I got you. Uh, but anyway, we've had Secretary of State John Thurston with us talking about election integrity. We've talked about a little bit of everything this morning, from crazy stuff happening in D.C. with what Democrats are doing, Biden administration. We've talked vaccine mandates. We've talked upcoming session. Um, but you know, one of the things that we try to do every chance we get is to highlight uh new people who are getting in the fight new republicans getting in the fight joining the fight with us and on the line with us is trent minner who is uh running for state representative uh trent's got a a great background he's uh, got a great resume uh i've actually known trent uh quite a while so uh trent are you with us good morning and uh let's talk about what you what you've decided to do and you're about to run for office or have announced you're running for office good morning senator how are y'all doing this morning we are doing great doing great so uh let's talk a little bit about it so you're running for house district 72 right now which again with redistricting numbers may change but that area change lines may well lines are certainly going to change but the area that you're running for right now if you would just kind of describe that for uh our listeners 
Sure thing. So the current district, uh, the northern boundary is uh, Beaver Fork Lake. It runs through downtown Conway. Uh, the western or the western boundary would kind of be UCA Donaghy area, and it runs south to uh, Mayflower, and currently runs right up to uh, Representative David Ray's district down there. Um, so I'm running to represent this part of Conway. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, I'm running because I think it's important that. Conway has common sense conservative representation down in Little Rock. You know, Conway has changed a whole lot over my lifetime. It's grown a lot and it's changed a lot. But, you know, just as Conway and Faulkner County has changed, uh, so I think the need for new representation as well has changed. Love to hear that. So you're, you're, you're running against an incumbent Democrat. Um, not that we need to mention yeah. his name on air, <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's, that's exciting. Of course, all of us in the studio are uh, first-time electeds who beat incumbents. Um, so certainly certainly no easy task, but I think you're, you're up for the task, and I think you're going to do uh, just fine. And uh, I love the fact that you said – common sense conservatism but let's talk a little bit about what that means what are what are some of the issues important um, to folks in your district um, what are some of the things the challenges that arkansas is facing that we need to work on what, do, what are your thoughts you know that's uh, i'm glad you brought that up because the, the important thing to me is uh when elected to represent the values that i know are important to people here in conway and faulkner county if i'm elected i will be a vote to protect life, to protect the unborn. I'll vote to lower taxes. These are things that I know people here in Conway and Faulkner County care about, and I'll do my part to make sure the, you know, the, the actions the legislature takes are ones that help Conway continue to grow. Um, you know, whether that's increasing uh, parents' role and having parental choice in their child's education, or you know, whether that's um, you know, rolling back government regulations that are making it harder to start your own business and feed your family. Uh, you know, things like that have been important to people around here my whole life, and I think they will be, you know, for the next few years to come as well. That, that's good stuff. You know, one of the things that I, I, I want to touch on that you just mentioned, which is great, you talked about parental choice. Um, you know, some of the debate that's been going on nationally and even here in Arkansas is critical race theory. You know, parental choice uh, is important to protecting what children are being taught. And, uh, sure. you know, critical race theory is, is something that's being, well, basically it's indoctrination. Um, so, you know, we we have a form of, of, of choice here in Arkansas, um, but certainly we, we need to expand that. Yeah, uh, Trent, this is uh, Senator Charles Beckham. Um, you mentioned education, as Senator Gilmore mentioned, was the um, – and I'll Parental point out choice. that Senator Beckham sits on the Education Committee in the Senate. What, what are, right. what's, what's your viewpoint coming into this with um, school choice, vouchers? Yeah, I, I, I support, you know, looking at a full range of those options. You know, I think that the more competition we can create in the education space, we can bring like an almost, I like to use the word entrepreneurial kind of slant to education. You know, if we have, whether it's vouchers, whether it's education savings accounts like they've done in places like Arizona, those are things that can allow, you know, can support a market where people can create schools that cater to a variety of different needs. Because all kids are different. 
and nobody knows better what those kids need than their parents. Yeah, well said, well said, because kids are unique. They have individual needs, and uh, parents need the tools, and they need the ability to make the decisions that best meet the individual needs of their kids. Um, and, you know, so I, I appreciate hearing that. It looks like uh, Representative Beatty's got a question. He's looking at me like he's got a question. Okay, maybe not. Well, no, as, you, as you know, we were uh, – Arkansas was named the most pro-life state in the nation uh, in the country yes, last year. Um is there a particular vote, particular viewpoint that your uh, your the incumbent has taken that you just find egregious to the point that that pushed you to running? I know I know for my my race there was uh, one tipping point that pushed me into it, and once I started digging deeper, I realized without a doubt was making the absolute right choice to run. You know, uh, I, I appreciate that question. I would not highlight a specific vote. So much is just, um, you know, I'm just old enough to remember when it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cool to be a Republican growing up. It certainly wasn't going to help you get elected to office in Faulkner County and Conway for the most part. But because of a lot of people's hard work and uh, a lot of people that I'm sure you all know and people in this area that worked hard, you know, Arkansas's got, we've got Republican majorities in the legislature and, you know, the got a Republican governor, attorney general, congressional delegation. We've got more Republicans than you can shake a stick at these days. But here in Conway, you know, where I, where I grew up, where I fall home, you know, we still have a Democratic state representative that doesn't, you know, that doesn't represent what I think are the values of people around here on issues like life, taxes, economic development, education. And so it's really just, you know, honestly, I, I hope that answered your question. But that's, that's kind of, that's what I would say is my motivation rather than any singular vote. It's just, we've put in, you know, so much work, so many people have worked, you know, I, I would definitely allow harder than me to make this happen. And, uh, you know, I want to help do my part with this last little bit here in Faulkner County. Yeah. I, I- that's that's a great answer. What I uh, what I look forward to is having someone else on the other end of the building there that fully supports the Republican platform, and um, yeah, that that's going to be a great great addition to the Capitol there. Well, and and, and I, this I is rep- this Representative Beatty Trent, and I'll I'll just say a lot of the things that you listed, uh, the values, the the pro life, lower taxes, uh, representing your area, uh, parental choice. Um, and then the government regulation and rollback things that you listed there, uh, and and the fact that your current representative doesn't re- reflect the makeup and the values of your community. Those are exactly the reasons that I got involved in 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 the race in uh, in District Nine. So I, I encourage you to hold true to that, and I, I think the electric uh, electorate will will back you up on that. And I look forward to serving with you. Yeah, I mean, look, it, thank you. There, there is, uh, there's not a room you walk into that if you hold up that Republican Party platform, you won't get a standing ovation. I mean, it is, it is uh, non-debatable on the on the the principles in there. Yeah, well said. Um, r- real quick, Trent, for our listeners, we're about to go to a break, so we appreciate you coming on. Real quick, tell us just uh, uh, as you know, maybe thirty seconds. 
a little bit about yourself. I know you're an attorney, just for all the listeners out there. And then also, how can people find out more information about you? I'm sure you got a website or social media page. Give us some of that info. Yeah, you can find me at, uh, you can learn more at uh, tripmentor.com, or you can, I've got a Facebook page, uh, Twitter, that's just Trent Mentor. And uh, right now, I currently serve as an assistant attorney general in the public protection division. And uh, we go, we get to go after the bad guys, uh, scam artists, uh, businesses that are dealing unfairly with Arkansas consumers. Uh, so it's, it's an honor to be able to do that. And if you got any, if you got any scam artists uh, lurking around your neck of the woods, you can give us a call or look us up on our website and file a complaint. We, we are your lawyer, and uh, we like to hear from you. Good stuff. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we wish you the best in the upcoming election. Glad to have you uh, in the fight. So, uh, again, wish you all thanks the best, and let us know how we can help. But uh, thanks for coming on this morning. And we're about to go to a break. Again, this is State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. Uh, we'll be right back. And good morning as uh, the sun is coming up in central Arkansas. Glad to be with you, State Senator Ben Gilmore, and for Dave, who is uh, getting some rest and relaxation on vacation. So honored to be here this morning in studio with me, State Senator Charles Beckham, State Representative Howard Beatty. Um, so we've had a great morning. Um, first hour was was great. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about national politics. We talked about upcoming session uh, here in Arkansas. that's going to be starting next week. We've had uh, Secretary of State John Thurston on. We've had uh, Trent Minner, who's a candidate for state representative in the Conway area, uh, just talking about uh, why he's running. Um, and then going back to Secretary of State Thurston, talking about election, election integrity and uh, things that, that are important to protect elections in Arkansas and, of course, redistricting. Um, you know, uh, upcoming, we have uh, State Senator Jonathan Dismang, who will be joining us uh, to talk about the um, upcoming session and some of the things that we anticipate, like tax cuts. He'll be specifically talking about what we intend to do with tax cuts there. But just to kind of recap some of the things we've already talked about in um, the last hour uh, with the session, you know, there's going to be a lot of things coming up, you know. We are coming back into uh, our general session that we um, put on pause, if you will, to wait for um, the census numbers out of Washington, D.C. that the Biden administration took forever to get to us. So we're going to wrap up our general session from earlier in the year with redistricting. Um, but then we're going to have an opportunity to take up some other things uh, like tax cuts, and we're going to do some um, – uh, some very meaningful um, cutting there of, of taxes, income tax, I anticipate, but also talking about vaccine mandates, talking about critical race theory, I think are some things that we can anticipate and things that we need to address. Um, you know, recent news with the Biden administration, um, you know, being burdensome on business, being burdensome on, on individuals with the uh, vaccine mandate that he put out. Total disregard, right, guys, of personal liberty and liberty just in general. Yeah, absolutely. And when when you know, I want to I want to reiterate something that we discussed earlier is the the callback, not the callback, the return from recess for the ninety third general, right, is to handle specific items that were in the recess and the the resolution for recess, right. So when we come in, we come back, we'll handle those items, we will adjourn, we will end the ninety third general session, general assembly. We'll call, come back for another 
extraordinary session, the second extraordinary session. So I hope people understand we will handle these issues, but we have to handle them procedurally correct. Uh, if we if we go into uh, items that are not on the callback from the uh, resolution, those could be challenged and simply because of the timing when we handled those. Well said. And, and for all the listeners, uh, I'd encourage you to, to stay engaged. Reach out to your, your local representative, your, your local state senator. Uh, make sure they, they understand um, uh, how you feel about these important issues. Um, now, all of us in studio are from South Arkansas. Howard, Howard Beatty is state rep for District 9, which is Monticello, CrossFit, Hamburg area. I am from, uh, I, I cover basically the whole southeast corner. Uh, redistricting is going to probably dictate that my district gets uh, bigger. All of our districts may get a little bit bigger. Um, but, and State Senator Charles Beckham from McNeil, which is close to the Magnolia area. Um, so again, we represent South Arkansas. I don't know if we have too many listeners um, uh, from that area, maybe on Facebook, obviously. Grant County, well, so, well, there you yeah. go. So you're covering some of those. But I, I say that to, to echo what, what State Senator Beckham said. Um, look, stay engaged. It's important for your voice to be heard. It's important um, for you to to understand what is happening in the Capitol uh, with different you know, procedural votes and things that are going to take place and, and understanding that, you know, when we may be adjourning the uh, ex- extended general session doesn't mean that there's not opportunities to take up other things. And we have to do that in a way that is not going to have lasting uh, negative impl- implications. And, well, and for listeners that are concerned, I mean, obviously our primary duty is to the constituents and we have to protect them we have to protect them from as we mentioned earlier in the in the broadcast before many people came in uh many people got on facebook live many people tuned in uh specifically the biden mandates the the vaccine mandates we have to address that we have to address it we have to protect individual liberty no question on that. And I don't think anybody uh, well, sitting in this room is going to disagree with that. What we've seen with the Biden administration is an overreach. Um, and we're going to try, we are going to try to do meaningful things with legislation to protect our Kansans. We're, we're going to exercise the authority that, that we've been given as legislators and represent our, our folks uh, against that overreach. But I, I, I think the, the main thing that Senator Beckham's trying to, trying to point out is, you know, just when we uh, adjourn um, this next go round, the, the first session, we're we're finishing the work that we still have left for the ninety third from months ago. From months ago, that we we could have finished back um, um, in April in in April or May. Had the Biden administration given us the numbers, yeah, if we had the census numbers, and then the other issues uh, will come at a later date when the governor calls a special session and calls us back in to specifically address and deal with these issues. And and I think that'll happen because I, I do believe there's a consensus um, uh, in, in both houses uh, that these are issues that need to be addressed. And I think they're, uh, especially in the House, that there's an appetite for true tax cuts. Uh, and significant tax cuts, and and to get us down to the four point nine percent, and that's where the house wants to be. I think from everything I've heard, uh, so I, I think we're gonna we're gonna take those issues up. I think we're we're gonna pick up 
Senator Dismang here in a few minutes. Yeah, we are. We're, we're going to have a break coming up, and we're going to be talking about um, tax cuts and and all of that. And of course, Senator Dismang kind of leading from budget chair position, leading some of the conversations on that. So he's going to bring a lot of knowledge there. Uh, but but talking about the session, uh, and I know I'm being told we got to we got to get to a break here in just a second. But you know, again, the to go back to what Representative Beatty said, the appetite is there. We're going to protect our Kansans. We have to protect our Kansans. What what the Biden administration did again is forced. It basically is, has forced the hand of everybody. Uh, not that we didn't want to do anything, we did, and we're going to. But he just showed the importance of doing it and, and doing it in such a way that uh, we can protect our Kansans and using our powers as legislators given to us by the Constitution to do that. Um, so looks like we are about to go to a break. Uh, we've got just a few seconds here. So, again, State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave um, and joined in studio by State Senator Charles Beckham, Representative Howard Beatty. And uh, we will be right back after this break with uh, hopefully State Senator Jonathan Dismay. And good morning. Um, thank you for sharing your morning with us as either you're driving to work or uh, just getting to work or maybe you're just getting up. And I'm sorry you're having to hear my voice in for Dave, but uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm State Senator Ben Gilmore. In studio with me is Senator Charles Beckham, ha- Representative Howard Beatty. Honored to be here. Uh, but really glad to have our next guest joining us. We have uh, Senator Jonathan Dismang um, from the Searcy area on. He is the chair of budget, um, and he really is kind of the, uh, the the guru when it comes to the budget in Arkansas. And so he's someone who can bring a lot of insight when we're talking about tax cuts coming up in the, uh, in the session uh, starting next week um, and uh, whatever the consecutive um, – maybe special sessions that we're going to have to address this, but certainly tax cuts is going to be a part of it. So, uh, Senator Dismang, uh, I think you're online with us. Um, yeah, morning, good, morning good, guys. Good morning, and thank you for being here. Let's just jump right into it. So what are you – I know there's been some articles in the newspaper of kind of what to expect. So what would you tell the listeners to expect when it comes to tax cuts? Well, so I think we're getting closer and closer to settling on uh, what the plan is going to look like and – and I'll just say, personally, one of my big goals was trying to simplify our tax code. Right now, we have three different tables, have the most complex structure in the entire country, and, and really doing what we can to simplify that. So, you know, the first part of it is uh, combining what we call the low and mid tables. The low tables is someone making up to about $22,000, and the mid table is someone making 22000 into the 83000 Uh, Combining those two is actually going to give relief uh, to a group of individuals that have never received relief, and that's uh, those folks receiving about $22,000 to $35,000, $39,000 worth of income, which is honestly uh, the bulk of our income earners here in the state. Um, Additionally, the thing we want to do is make ourselves as attractive as we can be uh, to uh, folks who may want to locate here. And so I think we're going to be dropping the top rate, uh, which is 5.9% right now, down to 5.5%. Um, all in all, we're looking at about a quarter of a billion dollar tax cut, which uh, I, I need to verify, but I think that'd be the biggest in our state's history. Well, it's good news for uh, taxpayers in Arkansas, I can say that. And, of course, uh, to all of us who uh, you know appreciate a leaner, um, smarter government and the way it works, uh, simplifying the tax code is something that we've needed to do for a long time. Yes, uh, Senator Disming, this is uh, Senator Beckham here. We 
One thing, most of the highlight, uh, most of the publicity, most of the news articles I've seen has been on the uh, lowering of the uh, top tax bracket. But something you mentioned, and and I, I hate that it keeps getting glossed over, but does the uh, the twenty two to thirty five thousand cliff that you're protecting? I know that's been extremely important for you to uh, smooth that out because these these people will actually uh, can pay more in taxes by earning more money than and and take home less money now correct yeah kind of explain what smoothing the cliff means if you would and you touched yeah, on it so, earlier. you know right now if you made and we'll just use round numbers right but they're generally going to be right um if, if you make you know 19,000 or uh, say $21,999 you need, you pay uh, about $150 less as someone making $22,000 so that's your you know that's what we call a cliff uh, that $1 of income gets you an additional tax burden um, a significant tax burden. You know, there's been some what some folks call smoothing, which just means they take about two thousand dollars and make it so it's not a, you know, you're not running, you're not jumping off the cliff. You're just very, very quickly running off the cliff. Um, but again, this would take care of that. And, and honestly, what it's going to do is provide significant relief for those making less than eighty three thousand. So there is no doubt in my mind we're going to hear from folks who are going to say this is just a you know tax cut for the wealthy. And, and two things to note on that. Number one, again, the, the total tax cut, if, if everyone agrees, is going to cost about a quarter of a billion dollars. $180 million of that goes to folks making less than $83,000. So you have about $70,000 that you know for individuals that have that higher income. But again, the, the vast majority of it is going to go to the, you know, just a, a working family here in the state. So, so that's um, people that's going from minimum wage up to... What about that's forty dollars right. an hour? Right, that it, from that's eleven dollars right. an hour to forty dollars an hour. That's where the meat of this tax cut, the meat of your plan, is. That's right. Yep, that's exactly right. If you're making minimum wage, you're going to benefit from this tax cut. Fantastic. If you're making minimum wage and working a full time job, maybe that's the best word that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then, then, then you're going to be benefiting from this tax cut. And and everyone all the way up. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. and 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 I love sitting in in Dave Ellswick's studio because around me is memorabilia. But one of the things I'm looking at directly across from my microphone is a a little button on the wall that says "Cut Spending, Reduce Taxes." Uh, I love that. We're talking about that, and you know, one of the things that you mentioned a second ago was uh, simplifying our, our tax code. You know, there's things that that we can do, not necessarily that we're going to do. Um, you know coming up in, the, in this next session but one of the things that we we need to be moving towards and i think you would agree is a is a bill by uh, representative Beatty and myself that would mirror the depreciation um for state and federal depreciation tables um representative Beatty, do you want to uh, maybe talk a little bit about that and senator dismang if you would just kind of give your thoughts well yeah. i mean I'll, I'll i'll be brief with mine I, i'm i'm for tax cuts uh, the individual side is excellent. I, I think that affects, like like we're saying, almost all the taxpayers in the state with two-thirds of that going to our, our lower-income, uh, middle-class uh, taxpayers. But on the flip side, we need to do something on the business side that's more makes it more advantageous for uh, the businessmen and women of the state. And this bill simply, even on just accounting fees uh, for our businessmen and women, would lower accounting fees four to five million dollars a year, um, and, and reduce those fees because now they're having to maintain two separate depreciation schedules for uh, Arkansas state depreciation compared to the federal depreciation. 
But I also understand this comes at a at a huge price tag to the state on the front end, but the net effect is a zero effect. Uh, it won't cost the state any money over the long run. It, it's just uh, it's just a catch up on the on the first three uh, three to four years, uh, uh, allowing them to take that excess tax. Yeah, no, and so. And, and really, one of the big things behind that is federal conformity, and that just makes it easier for the taxpayer. It makes it honestly easier for the preparers. Um, I remember when we first started deviating from uh, the depreciation on the federal level. Uh, that was that was when I very first got into tax work uh, back in the day. Fortunately, I don't do a ton of that anymore. Um, but when we started having to create two schedules, and then you try to explain that schedule because the state of Arkansas required you to, in your tax return, you had a pretty complicated process in front of you. Uh, not to mention the fact you didn't get the benefit of what the feds were doing on the state level. Right. You know, one of the things that we need to be mindful of, um, and again, I'm I'm all for uh, doing what we're talking about here, but, you know, conformity used to be a great thing. In the Trump administration, it was a great thing. There's going to be some changes uh, through this Biden administration that I'm assuming we're not going to want to adopt in, in, in the state of Arkansas. And part of that may be related back to depreciation because he doesn't seem to be just real business friendly in his tax policies. No, really? Uh, <laughs> Surprise. But, but like I said, I do think um, – and, and what and just so folks that are listening to understand kind of what he's talking about, I mean, when you take that depreciation deduction, if you buy a piece of equipment for $25,000, you get to depreciate it, which means you get to fully expend it. It's just how do you do that? Do you do that in the first year? Or do you do it over five years over the state, as the state of Arkansas would like for you to? Um, and then so that's the timing issue. And I do think that there may be some possibilities of, of finding some one-time type funds to be able to get that accomplished. I hope that we can. And so on that, I just kind of say stay tuned. Love that. Well, I appreciate the great work that you do as, as leading the budget committee. I know you have colleagues on, on there. They're doing good work, too. I point out that Representative Beatty is on the House Rev and Tax um, Committee as well, and a banker by background, so understands these issues, too. But, uh, Senator Dismang, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you sharing some of your insight. Um, always, uh, always good to, to talk with you and uh, your wealth of knowledge on these things. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, a little too kind, and I appreciate the time, and I uh, look forward to seeing you up at the Capitol, hopefully. Good deal. Well, I know we're coming up on a break, so we will get to that. Again, this is State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave Ellswick uh, in studio with uh, Charles uh, Beckham, State Senator Beckham, and State Representative Howard Beatty. Uh, we got a, a quick little break, and then we're going to come back with uh, Representative David Ray. Uh, may continue to talk some about uh, tax cuts and what we're expecting, but uh, there's also a, a little bill that uh, Representative Ray sponsored and, and passed that I hope we can talk briefly about. But uh, we'll get him on in uh, just a few minutes, so we'll go to break and stay tuned. And we're back. Uh, good morning. This is the final segment. Had fun with you guys. Looking forward to our final guest of the morning, Representative David Ray. Good friend of mine. Used to work with him. Brings a wealth of knowledge. Um, and Representative Ray, I, I think you're online with us. So good morning to you. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. And uh, I use that term loosely. Ah, there we go. That's the David Ray we know and love. David, hey, I heard you were down in uh, Columbia County in my neck of the woods earlier this week. Yes, we were we were throwing candy at the uh, Columbia County Fair Parade, and I tell you what, um, I don't know. It maybe it's just hotter in South Arkansas or, or muggier or something, but boy, it was 
it was like we were in a pressure cooker down there. Um, but we had a great time, and there was a good turnout for the parade. And um, we love we love South Arkansas. Well, uh, we obviously do too. So glad to hear a Central Arkansas guy say that. Um, but we are uh, well, most of the folks listening to this show are are in the Central Arkansas area, which is your areas. And just for, so listeners know, tell us uh, what part of the state that you represent. Yeah, I live on the north end of Maumelle, and I, I represent part of Maumelle, but it's it's really it goes across North Pulaski County. So, um, if you live in in uh, Pulaski County, north of the air base, uh, you're probably in District 40. Um, there's a couple of areas uh, outside of that that are included over in near Oak Grove, Marche, uh, Maumelle, and then it goes up into Faulkner County too. So, uh, the city of Mayflower, that area, and then. Um, other parts of Southern Faulkner County fall into that district too. Fantastic. So um, I mentioned a second ago, you bring a wealth of knowledge. Um, you've, you've run campaigns. You've uh, obviously worked for good folks like uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, who's running for attorney general. Um, but you, you bring a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, taxes. And so just kind of want to get your thoughts. I don't know if you heard the segment right before. We had Senator Jonathan Dismang, who's uh, budget chair, uh, talking about kind of what he expects with taxes. Um, give us, you know, give us your thoughts from, you know, your perspective. Uh, the, you know, you used to work for Americans for Prosperity, who focuses on, um, you know, tax cuts and uh, just smarter government and ways to reduce spending and all that. So just... Give us your thoughts. What do you What are you seeing in the upcoming session as uh, ways to, uh, you know, help get our tax code in a more uh, more competitive with other states? Yeah, I, I caught part of what Senator Dismang said. I didn't catch the whole thing, but you know, I agree with 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 basically everything he said um, on the specifics of what we ought to be doing. You know, I'll just hit a couple of high level points. I mean, you know. Everybody, if you ask people what taxes do you want to cut, it seems like you get a million different answers. But really, you know, cutting the income tax is so important because taxes are a disincentive. And this this is true in economics, but it's true in human behavior generally. If you want more of something, you need to incentivize it. If you want less of something, you punish it. That's what we do with with children, right? Uh, If they're acting up, you punish them so you get less acting up. Um, with taxes, you know, income taxes punish uh, labor. They punish work and productivity. We want more work. We want more labor. We want more productivity. So we ought to reduce the taxes on that. And so I've been a big fan of that for a long time. And I'll just add one thing to this. Um, there's a lot of folks out there I know that get frustrated with the with the rate of progress. They wish we could do more faster. And I'm in that, I consider myself in that boat. But I will tell you, there's two real reasons to be optimistic about this. One is we have made some good progress on the income tax. Uh, In 2014, when we switched administrations uh, from Democrat to Republican, our our top income tax rate was 7.0%. And today it stands at 5.9% and it's slated, if everything goes well, to go down to 5.5% with legislation we're going to hopefully hopefully pass next month. So that's real significant progress. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second reason for optimism is we, we are now at a place where our leaders in this state are embracing uh, boldness when it comes to the income tax. You know, when I worked for Lieutenant Governor 
Tim Griffin, uh, he was the first statewide official to come out and say, we need to put Arkansas on a path to eliminating the income tax. I'm, I'm glad and, you mentioned that because I was going to bring it up, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And now since he's done that, it's it's basically become party orthodoxy. If you are running for, you know, our, our, our two leading candidates for governor have both embraced that stance. Um, I think the majority of the folks running for lieutenant governor have embraced that stance. So, so there's a there's a lot of optimism for the future on that. No, that that's good stuff. And and again, going back to Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin has been a leading voice uh, for bold conservative change when it comes to taxes, when it comes to uh, you know streamlining government and how it operates, transformation, all those things. And uh, you know, appreciate the work that you've done at his side and, and that I got to do for uh, several years working with you at the lieutenant governor's office. So um, enjoyed that time. Um, one of the things that I, I did want to get to uh, and just briefly kind of shifting gears here, you uh, you ran a bill, a constitutional amendment, and it passed. Uh, talk a little bit about that so, so listeners know um, what that is and what that means and the importance of that, if you would. Yeah, so as folks are familiar, you know, when you go to the polls every two years in November, there's a there's a handful of constitutional amendments that you'll get to vote on. Um, I authored one that, that everybody who's listening, if you vote next November, uh, you'll get to weigh in on. Um, I don't know what number it's going to be yet, but, but let me tell you what it does. Uh, it's called the Ballot Initiative and Constitutional Amendment Reform Amendment. And here's what it does. It says... Going forward in the future, anytime we amend the Constitution or we enact a ballot initiative, it's going to take 60% of the vote to be passed rather than just 50%. And there's there's three real reasons why. Yeah, why is that important? So, number one, it is entirely too easy to amend our state Constitution. Let's, let's differentiate federal and state, okay? Our federal Constitution which we all know and love. We just had Constitution Day. Okay. It's been amended 27 times. It's very difficult to amend, and the founders were wise to do that. But our state constitution has been amended 102 times and counting. I mean, it is it is sort of turned into a heaping pile of trash uh, because people keep sticking stuff in it. And once you, once you pass a constitutional amendment, it's, it's darn near. And, and look, point, at, look at the number of taxes we have. Well, I was going to say, point out the times that we've actually put taxes in our state constitution. We did last year. We did now, back in yeah. Now we. You're right, Charles. You're absolutely right. Now we got people sticking taxes in our constitution, and and you can never get them out. That's the problem. So, uh, so this would this would this would say, hey, listen, guys, if we're going to amend our constitution, we need to measure twice and cut once. We don't need to be sticking stuff in there in sort of a willy-nilly fashion. Um, the second reason is, you know, this is really going to help protect our state from from big big money out-of-state liberals that want to hijack our process to, to push their own agenda. Um, yeah, they can't win in the legislature well, anymore, so that what they do is they just spend money and get something on the ballot. That's right. That's right. That's what they've figured out. They can't get folks like, Gilmore and Beckham and Beatty to vote for their agenda um, because y'all are conservatives. So what they do is they will spend a couple of million dollars with some, you know, big money billionaire from California or something, and they'll get they'll circle the peti- they'll circulate the petitions. You'll see them outside the gas stations and the Krogers and the WalMarts, 
and they'll get these things on the ballot and, and they're pushing for stuff like uh, hiking up our minimum wage uh, to an unsustainable point. They want to, um, you know, primaries. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. Frank crazy choice. ideas. Frank like choice that. voting. So this yeah. Will, yeah. So this will protect against that. And the third reason, I know we're short on time, uh, but I don't want to overlook this reason because it's really important. This will be a check on the legislature as well. And you guys are all, uh, all of y'all, all of everybody on, on this uh, conversation is a freshman in the legislature. So I'm not afraid to say this, but the legislature has passed some goofy ideas <laughs> to amend our Constitution. I mean, look no further than the John Woods Ethics Amendment that passed several years back. And now the John Woods Senate, is sitting in federal prison. That's all you yeah, need to know, the, right? The, yeah, the state senator that passed this constitutional amendment is now in prison. And the amendment he passed was a, quote, ethics amendment. Yeah, yeah. And it did all kinds of things like jack up legislative pay, things that voters had no idea was in nothing there. Nothing to do with ethics and, either. No, it had nothing to do with ethics. Yeah. Um, David, it hey. It was all about extending his term limits and lining I, his I, own pockets. I, I hate we got to protect against that stuff, too. I hate to cut you off, but that's good stuff. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, been a great show. Gentlemen, thank you for being on here with me. State Senator Charles Beckham, State Representative Howard Beatty, uh, State Senator Ben Gilmore in for Dave. Gentlemen, any final remarks? We're about to go. Don't forget about the constitutional amendment on the ballot that allows the legislature to call itself back into session. We're catching a lot of flack for not coming back in to pass laws, but uh, we good. can't do that without the governor. Good stuff, Representative Beatty. Just, just a quick thank you for allowing us to be on this morning. I've enjoyed it. And, David, you're always entertaining, my friend. Yeah, David Ray, thank you. <laughs> um, and, again, a big thanks thank to Dave Ellswick allowing me to step in and fill his shoes, big shoes to fill. Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been an honor. And uh, we will wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs>